0: turn with me. You don't have to go far. Usually I give this some uh, Bible verse in the middle of the Bible. It takes you a little while to find. This one is just open up to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. We're going to be starting a new uh, series that's going to take us through the end of uh, August called Twisted Truth. And I want to talk about uh, this sermon, and I told Corey as he was getting ready to go back there that I'm going to actually be jumping around a little bit more than normal uh, today, and I'm actually going to be changing up. As I was sitting back there, I started thinking about this. You know, has anyone ever heard the saying, money is the root of all evil? you've heard that saying, just raise your hand. Now, do you know that that's not scriptural? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that money is the root of all evil. What the Bible actually says is the love of money is the root of all evil. And so if you read Scripture, you'll be able to see that, and you'll be able to understand that it's that. There are many of these sayings, many, many sayings in Scripture that we use, that we, uh, that the world today, I should say, takes Scripture and just twists it a little bit to make it say what we want it to say. And I was going to just actually kind of just randomly go through all of these sayings, some of the most popular ones that you hear, you know, like the love of, uh, for the uh, money is the root of all evil. There's other ones that God won't give you more than what you can handle. Do You know, that's not in scripture either. That's not scriptural at all. In fact, I'm not going to say a lot about it because I am going to preach on that because I think it's important for us to understand that the Lord does give you more than you can handle. It's important for you to understand that He gives you more than what you can humanly handle because he wants you to rely on him and not yourself. There are many of these sayings in Scripture. There are many of these things that have been twisted, if you will, uh, where the truth of Scripture is twisted to say something that meets our needs today. I also want to talk about today why these have come about. Today, I want to sound like a trumpet on the top of a hill to warn you about your knowledge of Scripture, to encourage you to understand Scripture, to understand that the Lord has given you the gift of understanding scripture. He has given you the gift of understanding everything that's in scripture today. You know, I talk to many, many people, and as I talk to people, one of the common themes I always hear is that I just can't understand scripture. I start to read it, and I get lost, and I don't understand something, and so it puts me off. I stop reading it. The worst thing you can do is stop reading scripture because you don't understand something. If you don't understand something, pray. If you don't understand something, call me up. Call Chaz. Call... uh, cory in the middle of the night because that's when he's awake and ask him uh about this phrase three o'clock in the morning cory you'll be awake right yeah no <laughs> yeah you'll be answered the phone yeah my question though for you is that you know that the twisting of the truth the twisting of scripture is done for a reason Satan is very, very capable of twisting the truth of Scripture. You know, I have this question and I do actually have this on a slide. It says, do you know Scripture better than the devil? My... Honest opinion today is that 90% of Christians don't know Scripture as well as Satan knows Scripture. In fact, I would probably go even further than that. It's probably, probably better than 90%. But there's many people that don't know Scripture as well as Satan knows Scripture. Now, that may seem shocking to you at first, but if you read through Scripture and you read through the stories and interactions that Jesus had with, Satan, that that Adam and Eve had with Satan, and that you go over and over and over again, he often uses scripture and twists twists it just a little bit to get you to start going off path of what God really wants you to say, or really wants you to understand. In fact, today's verses come from Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, and let's turn there now, Genesis chapter 2, we're going to be starting in verse 16. We're going to read verses uh, 16 and 17, and then we're going to jump over to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 says, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Now, let me ask you another question. Anywhere in scripture does it say that that fruit that Adam and Eve ate was an apple? No. I made the mistake uh, 13 years ago in one of my very first sermons, and I said, uh, Adam and Eve ate of the apple, and this... uh, this wonderful lady came up to me and she came up to me and she says, Pastor, wonderful sermon, but I just gotta tell you, you're unscriptural, you're not biblical. And I'm like, What are you talking about? Everything I said was biblical. It came around. She said, Adam and Eve never ate of an apple. And I'm like, You're right. They didn't. It ate of they ate of a uh, fruit, not an apple. Verse sixteen, and the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat it, eat from it, you will certainly die. Now let's pay special attention to verse 17 here for a moment, "But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge, of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now let's fast forward a little bit. Fast-forward is entering into now, if we enter into now uh, Satan coming on the scene, and Satan is speaking with Adam and Eve, and he's deceiving them, and he says in Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other of the wild animals, the Lord God had made. And he said to women, he said to woman, 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 one, one, singular. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now I want to pause there for a moment. Do you remember what we just read in Genesis chapter two? Did God say say to Eve that she was not able to eat of any any tree? So what is Satan doing? Satan is just then trying to twist the words of God to make Eve think that it's much worse than what it was before. We'll get to that in a moment. Verse two says, and the woman said to the serpent, you may eat, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die Verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let's pause there and pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the wisdom and the knowledge that your Holy Spirit brings to us, and we pray even today, Lord, as we, uh, as we jump into this topic today and as we jump into the words, that we can have knowledge and wisdom that comes from you, Father. That you would open our eyes to see the things that we need to see, the things that we need to understand, to see how Satan twists your words and our words and other words to make it seem like we are against you. Father, we ask you for your protection. We ask you for clarity of mind. We ask you for just the understanding and ability to grasp all of the things that you want to say to us today but lord we most importantly need your presence and we need you to be with us to comfort us to walk with us to strengthen us to give us the boldness to walk in all things lord we glorify you we honor you we praise you lord i pray today that my words would not be my own that i would truly be speaking the words that you would have for us today Bless us to this day, Father. Help us in all things, and we give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, from the very first moment that Satan enters into Scripture, we find that he is a liar and a deceiver. From the very first moment entering into the scene, he begins to, he begins to try to deceive Adam and Eve. He's a liar. His back and forth with Adam and Eve makes it very clear that his purpose was to deceive Adam and Eve against what God had really said to them. I laughed when, you know, earlier in the summer when I was putting together my sermon plan, I began to laugh when the Lord wanted me to, when he put this on my mind to to preach about, and I started laughing because I'm saying, Lord, you don't understand that it's sometimes hard for me, even when I read sometimes, uh, I, I have a habit of just running too quickly. My mind runs too quickly than what my eyes can say there, and sometimes I end up jumbling words as I'm reading, and I have to really slow down and focus. And so as the Lord was speaking about this, I began to uh, chuckle about this, and I'm like, I need to learn some of this stuff. I need to be sure that I'm diligent on what I read and diligent on what I believe See, the truth of the matter is, is that Satan wants us to fall to his lies and deception. He wants us to fall to the very fact that God's word can be twisted and said what, it, what he wants it to say today. And that is Satan, not God. Satan is using God's word in many different places. Even if you look at the, the, uh, the um, when Jesus was uh, tempted in the desert Satan uses God's own words against Jesus. Now, he doesn't twist any of the words to Jesus because Jesus is the Word. He knows the Word, and he repeats that back to Satan. But he also uses God's words. See, the truth of the matter is that Satan knows Scripture as well as, or better than, as we have said before, most of us in this room, if not all of us in this room. And so we have to be very careful not only to read Scripture, understand Scripture, but also to focus on what the Lord is trying to say. When we read the truth, when we read what Satan, what, when we read what God says compared to what Satan says, Satan just wants to twist one little word to make it different. Today in our culture, Christianity is going through this major explosion, this major, uh, uh, not explosion in a good way, explosion where there's two th- trains of thought going through here, and there's many different things going on. In fact, I I had an opportunity this week to speak with many different pastors, and as we sat around this room, we were talking about Christianity and where it's going and how it's not the same that it has always been. Many years ago, if you just had a church and you built the church, people would come in to the church. Today, that's not the case. Many... Years ago, you were able to stand on a street corner and preach God's message and say you must be saved and people were willing to come and get that relationship and want to have that salvation. Today, when you stand on a street corner, today churches are not viewed as positive. Churches are not viewed as those things because we are anti-culture for most part, uh, but then there are also some churches that are trying to deceive God's word, if you will, and make themselves look popular with today's culture. There are many things that we have to be very careful about as we look at Scripture and what it means to us. The very first thing I want to say about how we can understand Scripture and how we can walk with Scripture and how we can do what it's supposed to do is that we need to learn to focus on the positive and not the negative of Scripture. See, the biggest problem that we have in Christianity, one of the biggest problems we have in Christianity today is that we always focus on what we have to give up. Have you ever talked with someone and said, hey, you need to come to the Lord. I can't come to the Lord. I have to give up all my party. And I can't go out to and have drinks. And I can't do this. And I can't do that. And, and the idea is that when you become a Christian, you have to give up everything that used to be fun. That's the general thought today for most people outside of this world. If you walk out into the public today and you have a conversation with someone and say, you need to come to the Lord, do one of two things. No, I'm not coming to the Lord because I don't believe that. The other one is, no, I don't want to come to the Lord because I don't want to give up all the things that are fun. You church-going people are boring and I would have to give up all the things that make my life fun. Or the third comment is, I'm not ready yet. Usually that I'm not ready yet means that I want to go out and have some fun again before I have to give up those things. The problem with this is that Christianity, we have made Christianity all about the negative. We've made Christianity all about the Ten Commandments and all about what you can't do. Now the Ten Commandments are very important and there are things that I still follow today and I'm not saying that we shouldn't focus on them. What I'm saying is that we have to be careful to understand that Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about the law. The law was the the Levitical law that was passed many years ago, that were many, many thousands of years ago. That's what they followed. Jesus Christ came to fulfill that law, but also to give us a relationship with him. See, when we look at scripture, what happens today is that we look at either the negative or we look and too often we leave the positive scripture out. Satan is very good at that. Satan's very good at coming to that. And in fact, that's exactly what he was doing with Adam and Eve. He came to Adam and Eve and said, did God really say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? God didn't say that. God actually said you can eat of any tree in the garden that you want to. There's just one that you can't. It's very much like like today, the present day Christianity, we focus on all the things we can't do instead of all the things we can do. We need to stop focusing on those one things. See, Satan wants us to focus on all the things we can't do because if we focus on all the things we can't do, then we get all locked up and and concerned about what we can't do and not enjoy God's presence in our life and have the blessings of what he has for us to be able to walk in the things that he has for us today. See, life with God isn't about what you don't get. It's about what you do. You know, I used to, as a, both as a child and as a father, it's funny, I used to, my kids used to come to me all the time and say, I'm hungry. Okay, well, go get something to eat. And the very first thing they wanted to go eat, of course, is what? Cookies or candy or something sweet, right? And then they come back to me and go, there's nothing to eat but cookies. I'm going to eat cookies. No, you can't have cookies. You've got to have something else. There's nothing to eat. There's nothing to eat, Really? If I go open up the closet door, open up the cupboard doors, there's going to be all this stuff here, right? There's nothing to eat. OK, there's macaroni and cheese, there's peanut butter and jelly, there's crackers, there's tuna fish, there's all this other stuff. It's not what I want. Well what do you want? I want cookies. You can't have cookies. See, we always focus on the things that we can't have, even as, as childs, as children, we learn that we can't focus on the things, we focus on the things we can't have. I hear Christians often saying, there's so much I can't do as a Christian. The truth is there's so much things that you can do that you should never focus on what you can't do. When we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when our life is all about that relationship, when you're walking about that relationship, you don't have to worry about the things you can't do. You're worried about just having that relationship with him and enjoying those wonderful things. And having a wonderful relationship with Him. We need to stop focusing on the negative and start focusing on the great positive that He gives to us. I want to just go a little bit off track here for a moment. As I was sitting back here and Corey was, we sang that song, uh, Another in the Fire. I started thinking about this for a moment. I started thinking about, you know, there is another in the fire. We often think about when we're reading Scripture that we're alone. You ever feel like you're reading Scripture and you just feel like you're totally alone? who am I there? It's too early in the morning to call Pastor Jason. It's never too early, by the way, but you know, people, do, it's too early to call. It's too late to call. I don't want to call and ask a stupid question. I don't want to call someone else, so I feel alone. I don't know if I look up on Google if I'm going to get the right answer or not, if it's going to be, you know, all of these thoughts raised in my mind. You're not alone. Do you understand that? Scripture was never given to you to just watch it alone. Your relationship with Jesus was never given for you to be alone. You have Jesus with you every moment. There is another in the fire. There's another one studying Scripture with you. There's another one studying right beside you. The Holy Spirit has promised to us so that he can give us wisdom and knowledge. So as we read Scripture, as we begin to understand Scripture, we're not going to fall to this twisted truth. We're going to understand what it is because God is there directing and guiding us. Adam and Eve. Had the desire for one thing. They desired the thing they couldn't have. They could have ate of anything in the garden. They could have ate of any tree in the garden. They could have had anything they wanted. But yet, the deception, the deceiving, was them focusing on one thing. Satan distracted them from the truth with just one item, one thing that they couldn't have. Don't fall to the desires of the twisted truth. Don't fall to the desires of what Satan wants you to desire. If he can just get you to believe one small item and twist that belief, if he can just get you to misquote Scripture one time, in one way, then he can pull you in and cause you to fall away. I have a wonderful conversation, as I said this week, and with some pastors that have very, uh, uh, very similar viewpoints of mine, and then there's also some that were very opposite from my viewpoint on things. And as we begin to discuss our differences, I asked them, I said, Could it be possible that you're just twisting Scripture a little bit? You're just taking one phrase of Scripture and twisting it a little bit. And of course, they told me no. And then they asked me the same question, are you twisting truth? I said, no, I'm reading exactly what scripture says. See, the problem of it is today is that we can take just one little piece of scripture, one little piece of saying that you can't have anything of the garden. No, you can have any, of, any part of the garden. Satan, Satan used God's words to tell them that they couldn't have anything when they could have just this. We focus, on the, we focus on such the negative that we miss out on all of the great positive that the Lord gives to us. Eve actually passed the test. See, number two, we say actually know what Scripture really says. See, here's my problem today. Today, many Christians can't stand up to Satan, can't stand up to others who twist in the truth because they don't know the truth themselves. Let's get really, really honest for a moment. I want to be honest with all of you. I want to be honest with yourself, and I want you to, I want you to reflect in yourself. If you know Scripture today, you're most likely not going to fall to the twisted truth. If you're reading Scripture and you're understanding Scripture, I could stand up here on most Sundays, Pastor Chaz, I could stand up here on most Sundays and probably quote a really good poem and say it came from the book of Jason, verse 1, chapter, uh, you know, whatever. Now hopefully all of you would fall and say, no, that's, there is no book of Jason. There should be because that would be a really cool book. But there's not, right? But isn't it sad that in today's culture, that we know more about music lyrics than we do about Scripture? Isn't it sad today that many men across the United States, and I I fall victim to this too, I love, uh, we play fantasy football, and so I can quote some uh, some, some, uh, um, stats, thank you, that was the word I was thinking of. I know some stats of some people. I know who I want to um, draft and who I don't care about. And, and I know all of those things. But what if we spent as much time in Scripture as we do in fantasy football? Guys and girls that play fantasy football. It's not just for guys, by the way. What if we spent as much time listening to the Word of God as what we do listening to music? What if we worshiped and listen to worship music as much as we do to any of the popular bands that are out today. I love Journey. Listen, I'm a '80s, <laughs> you know, '70s, '80s, '90s. Uh, I love Journey. I know Steve's giving me looks now, but uh, I, I didn't go to like Belvedere or something like that, Steve. You know, I did Journey. Journey's pretty good, right? But I, I love them, and I could I could stand up here and sing you know one of their songs right now. But I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to embarrass you all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass myself. But the point of the matter is, is that I should be able to stand up here and, and quote scripture as well as I can quote any s- lyrics to Journey. I should be able to stand up here and quote scripture and understand scripture as much as I can for any song. You know, if I just started singing Ice, Ice Baby, right? Yeah, yeah, stop. Chaz, tell me to stop. At least I'm not singing a Christmas song, Chaz. You know, I could do that for you. <laughs> My point being made, though, is that we spend all our energy and effort in understanding what all these songs say. We understand and, and quote poems and, and, and song lyrics, and, and we pass memes on on, on Facebook and, and Instagram, and, and we Snapchat, and we do all of these things. Not that any of those things are bad, but what I'm saying is that we spend all this time doing that, but are we spending any time in Scripture? Do we know Scripture as well as we know everything else? The The truth is that many of us do not. See, Satan uses Scripture, and sometimes it's as simply as leaving a word out, as I said before. Leaving the word love out of the love of money is the root of all evil. Many churches have used this phrase. I remember uh, many years ago, I was at a church, and the the, uh, pastor actually stood before before the congregation, and he's like, money is no good. And I'm like, "Uh, you're getting paid, though. Wait. You know, I started using a little logic here and started thinking about this. And I said, and I had a conversation with him afterwards. I said, "It's it's not money that's bad. God blesses us with things. It's when you love money so much that you're not willing to give it back to the Lord, give him back a portion of what he's given to you. So when you love money so much that you hang on to it and you do that, you do whatever it takes to get that money versus serving the Lord. So when money means so much more to you than you're not going to hang on to it, or you're going to hang on to it so tight that you're not going to help out a brother or sister in need. That's the problem. That's what Scripture talks about. Scripture doesn't talk about money. Money is from the Lord. The Lord blesses us with it, or not. I challenge you today to know the word of God as much or more than you know the words to your favorite song or lines from your favorite movie. I used to laugh because our friend Jay Sisley used to stand up here, Paul and Jay and and those would quote, if I asked Paul to quote a um, Star Wars or Star Trek, he would be able to probably rattle something out. Am I right, Paul? Yeah, he would be able to rattle that out. Now, I won't embarrass you, Paul, and ask you to rattle out something from Romans, right? I won't ask you to do that but, because I don't want to put anyone on the spot. But that's the truth of the matter is that we remember lyrics from movies or movie lines better than we know scripture. There's a problem when that happens, by the way. We as Christians, if you're here today and you have a relationship with Jesus, then you should be challenging yourself To walk in the word of God so that you know it so that when Satan comes and tries to twist that word to you you can call it out as a lie and you can call him what he really is and he's a liar and a a deceiver his main job is to deceive us from the truth I'm going to offend many people and I was questioning whether I was going to do this or not but I'm going to offend some people here sorry Whether you're listening online, yeah, sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I guess that offends people right away as soon as you say that, right? Just because you read something in Scripture and you don't like it doesn't mean you have the right to change it. Today in the world, there are a lot of offended people. People are offended at almost everything. Everything. The bait of Satan is the great offense that this country has taken. You know, a, a few years ago, we did a um, Bible study called The Bait of Satan, and it was by John Bevere and Lisa Bevere. In fact, uh, my wife and I have been talking about maybe pulling that back out and doing that again this fall, because it's a really good book. But it, see, I, I, when I, when I when I think about The Bait of Satan, I think about taking that offense, you know, even today, it was so funny. I knew I was going to be talking about this in my sermon. And As we're driving down the road, uh, my wife was driving, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking in my side mirror, and I could see this car is, like, really close behind me. And my, my, uh, inside of me, I got really offended that this guy's driving so close to my wife's car that I wanted to get out and say something, you know. And I'm, like, going, oh, I'm gonna, what am I going to do? I can't flick him off because I'm a pastor and I'm on my way to preach. So I can't do that. I can't like stick my head out of the moon roof and yell at them, you know? And I'm thinking I'm not even driving so I can't brake check them because my wife's driving. So I'm sitting there going, oh, what can I do? And then the Lord just goes, Jason, you're getting offended over someone the way they're driving. Why are you doing that? And I am like, oh, you're right. And so instead the Lord put it on my heart to pray for him and I prayed that he would swerve off the road and hit a ditch. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I prayed that the Lord would bless them. I did, and that I was hoping that they were going to church, that they would hear a message that the Lord would share with them. Yeah. But today, I want to tell you, just because you read something in Scripture and you don't like it, just because you read something in Scripture and it doesn't seem to fit your theology, doesn't give you the right to change Scripture doesn't give you the right to make it say something that you want it to say. See, the whole point of Scripture is that it changes us of who we are. It is, Scripture is offensive. I'm sorry, but Scripture is very offensive. If you're not living the way that the Lord wants you to live, Scripture is going to offend you, and you should be happy that it offends you. Because it's causing you to be different than this world, and it's causing you to change the way you're thinking, to become more like Him. And until we are like him and we're not like this world, we're going to be offended by what it says. Too many Christians today have made a point of trying to change scripture to fit what they want it to say. Scripture can't really say that it doesn't love all people. Well, no, it does. Sorry. Sorry. I won't get in a, a, a theology argument with Jacob right now because he's new to the church and he's just coming here visiting him, uh, visiting us. Hi, Jacob. You know, But Tristan and I have had conversations about our different beliefs and I could use words that many of you in this room probably wouldn't even know that we've had these conversations about. But, but listen, just because, just because we think God loves everyone doesn't mean that he's not sending some people to hell too. He gives you a right to Sorry, Jacob. He gives you a right to choose. It's your choice to follow him or not. But it's also not just between heaven and hell. Listen, scripture is very clear, and I'm going to say something that would be offended uh, that many of my brothers and sisters in other churches would offend. But scripture is very clear. It's male and female for marriage. It's not male and male and female and female. I'm sorry, if that offends you, then I, I don't know what to say. That's what scripture tells us. God made man and woman. He didn't make man and Steve, or Eve and Steve. He made Eve and Adam, Steve and Adam, Adam and Steve. Yeah, I messed that all up, right? Adam and Steve, there we go, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, Steve, you are pretty old, so you're probably there around Adam and Eve, right? No, yeah, I know. That's, I'm trying to move on, let's move on from there. All right, listen. God is not in the process of making you happy. God is not in the process of making his theology say everything that you want it to say. Does God want to bless you? Yes, he does. God wants to bless you a lot. He wants to bless you mightily. But it means that we have to follow him and not follow our hearts. Our hearts are deceiving pieces of equipment that are inside of us until Jesus comes and renews us and transforms our mind. When our mind is transformed and our heart and body is transformed, then we start to see things that the Lord wants us to see. But until then, we are deceived by Satan in this world. I am tired of Christians taking Scripture and twisting it to say what they want. See, I feel like I'm on a soapbox in this sermon, and I'm sorry. But I'm really tired. I'm really, really tired of Christians using scripture to defend a point well god says you can't do that so see i'm right i'm right because god says this and so they stand on their soapbox and they say all the things that god says you can't say and i just want to look at when people say that to me i just want to look at them and say what is god saying to you that you can't do you're good at telling other people what god says they can't do but what what is god speaking to you See, the problem is we read Scripture to fulfill our arguments with other people instead of fulfilling the thing that it was supposed to do, and that's change us. Scripture is supposed to change you. Allow Scripture to change you. And then let God change other people. You don't need to change other people with your words. You just need to change other people with your actions and how you love Christ. If you love Christ and you change yourself on the inside, then it will begin to change other people because they'll see how you're acting and how you are changed and they'll want to follow you and follow God because they want to be and have the difference that was made inside of you. The real danger is when we begin to think that we are smarter than God. You know, today... I'm going to quote this word, and then I'm going to trademark it after I'm done. Very few people serve Christianity today. Most people are serving self-anity today. Self-anity. Self-anity, self-anity is the, the, the worship, the following of yourself. It's putting you up and saying, "This is I want to be the most important person. I want to be the most important thing. See, the world... Satan has changed scripture and has changed our thoughts and changed our beliefs so much so that we make this world about us. God never intended this world to be about us. God never intended this this idea for us to follow ourselves. It was for us to always follow him, to follow Christ. We make ourselves... Listen, yesterday at at 8 o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I looked at... Well, it was actually a little bit earlier than 8 o'clock. My wife gets up way earlier than I, but... We woke up and I looked at my wife and I said, I really don't want to go clear a lot right now. I really don't want to go clear trees, cut down bushes, work in briars. It's going to be hot. It's going to be tiresome work. And my wife looked at me and she goes, you have to. And I said, no, I don't have to do anything, right? The only thing I have to do is follow God. And she goes, no, you have to. And I said, why? And she goes, because it's Serving another purpose. You're loving a family and helping them build a house. And I'm like, quit throwing the pastor thing in my face. You're just my wife, right? And she's like, get up, let's get dressed, we're going. And we did. Would I have much rather been out doing anything other than that? Would I have much rather slept in and, and ate pancakes and bacon and did all of those things? Yeah, I would have. Would I have much rather been out doing anything in my house? Yes, I much rather would have but it's because I wanted to serve God that I was there. Did I like it? No, I complained about it. I was complaining to Pat. It's hot. And got scratches on me, not as bad as he does, but if you look at his arms, he was was using a chainsaw as a weed eater, but that's a different story. (laughs) The point of the matter that I'm trying to say is that the only reason why I got up to go there is not because I was really wanting to love on this family, not because I wanted to interact with other churches. The only reason why I got up to do it is because Christ tells me to do it. Yeah, Christ through my wife, Jen. (laughs) Sometimes we have to do even what we don't want to do because that's what Scripture calls us to do. Sometimes we have to do the things that we may not want to do because Scripture calls us to do those things. Never once in Scripture does it say that it's going to be a bed of roses. Never once in Scripture does it say everything's going to be easy. Never once in scripture does it say, every time you have to go serve me, it's going to be so fun that you're going to want to jump out of bed and go do it. Every time in scripture that it says, it says, love somebody. It says, pick up your cross and carry it daily. The last time I looked at it, picking up my cross doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. The last time I figured out picking up my cross wasn't going to be convenient See, too many times as Christians, we look to serve when it's convenient to us. Does it fall into my Sunday morning routine? If I get up and have breakfast and I go have my coffee and I get to church, I can maybe help with church out a little bit here because it's going to be convenient. May I tell you something? Serving God is not convenient. It never has been and it never will be. At the most inconvenient times, he's going to ask you to serve him. You're going to have to go a step above and beyond what you're used to. You're going to have to do something that you didn't want to do. You're going to have to share yourself. You're going to have to open your heart and your soul to the people around you. That's what God wants you to do. Scripture is not convenient. And the reason why I'm saying this right now is because Satan makes our churches so lazy. Today our churches in America are so lazy because we are looking for a conveniency. We're looking for the church to serve us. We had this misconception of what church is really about. We have a misconception of what Christianity is about. It's not about doing what we want to do. It's not about making our life easy. It's about serving Jesus. It's about serving Him. And sometimes that requires us to go a step beyond of what we really want to do. Today, you're not alone. I know Corey picked up on this as he was leading worship today, and I also picked up on this. You know, I I feel like today that there's someone here that's going through something and they just feel like they're alone. I want to tell you that Scripture is not easy. Christianity is not easy, but you're not alone. You're not alone. You have not only your church family, but you have, most importantly, Jesus who walks with you, and you have the Holy Spirit who's there beside you also. You're never alone. You're never on this on your own. And all we have to do is search and ask for his help to come down. This sermon series is going to give you clues and and, and it's going to give you assistance on how to make sure that we don't fall to the twisted truth. But the very first thing is that if you're not going to fall to the twisted truth, then you have to be following Jesus. You have to have your eyes so focused on him that you're not going to miss out on what he says around us. Will you stand with me? Will the worship team come forward? Christianity, our life, our relationship with Jesus is so much more than just doing a whole bunch of things that we want to do. So much more than us just saying life is going to be easy. Life is not easy. Life is hard. It's hard to say uh, goodbye to your daughter as she marries and moves on, even though it's a wonderful celebration, right? I, I loved the celebration that we had last week, but it was hard because it's a different stage of life. I asked my wife when we got home and our house was empty, I looked at her and I said, do you really love me? She's like, why? And I said, because it's just you and I now, baby, let's go. What are we going to do if you don't love me? And you just, we're in it for the kids, we're in trouble, right? The truth of the matter is, is that life in general is hard. We're each at a different place in our journey. But what is true and what is accurate for us today is the truth of God the very words of Scripture. See, when Jesus came to this earth, even before he came to this earth, even the Old Testament, the Old Testament is how much God loved his people. The Old Testament is about how his people messed up. It all points to the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who in the middle of Scripture comes to this earth to be with us, God with us. Emmanuel. You're not alone, but you must follow the truth of what's inside this and not fall to the temptation, to the temptation, the deceiving liar that is called Satan. He wants to twist the truth. He wants to twist the words of Scripture to make it say what he wants it to say so that you and I will fall away. But if we're following Scripture, if we're following what he says to us, and we know that we have a loving, serving God who wants to love us and be with us, then we can stand up to any of those things. But it's not about ourselves. It's about Him. It always will be and always has been. It's about Him. So what I want to do is I just want to pray. I want to ask the Lord to bless us and to be with us and to guide us and to strengthen us. But I also want to have an opportunity As when I get done praying, I'll come down front here. If you feel alone, if you feel like you're on your own, if you feel like you're struggling and you just are there by yourself, you're not. I would love to have an opportunity to pray with you and remind you how much God loves you, how much you are, and how much you mean to him. He loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for you. Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to die on the cross for you. We need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that God is loving and he's here for us. So let's pray. Let's seek him, seek his truth and his protection as we enter into this world that seems to be twisting every word. Must follow the truth. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have come to this earth and given us an opportunity to have a relationship with you. Lord, I love you. We love you so much. We're just here today, Father, serving you and we want to We want to ask you first and foremost that you protect our minds and our hearts from not falling away to the twisted truth. Lord, in coming days, we're going to learn about how in the end times that so much deceivers are going to come and try to deceive us from the truth. And even some of the elect, even some of those that have given their life to Christ are going to fall away. But Lord, we want to be truthful to your word. We want to follow every single word. We want to not be deceived by the great liar, Satan himself we want to follow you and hold on to your truth no matter how difficult that is no matter what that makes us do even when you ask us to do the difficult things we want to remain true to you so father i pray today that you just guide us and protect us and strengthen us that you and every single one of us help us to fall in love with not only you but fall in love with the word of god that you have given to us so that we can know this truth know what it says to us and so that we can stand up to the lies of Satan, stand up to the lies of this world, and, and speak the truth and love that you have brought to us into this community. Help us today, Father, to follow you. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. and We praise you today. In your most precious and holy name we ask these things. Amen and amen. Let's worship together. If you would like some